Today, we're talking to Eyal, the Vice President of Product Marketing and Strategic Alliances at Cato Networks, about his journey as a leader and how Cato is disrupting their industry. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. It always stands out to me when I meet somebody like you, who's kind of just like figured it out, had a huge amount of like entrepreneurship and self-reliance and just figured out the problem and solved it. I, I like hearing stories from these types of people. So I was hoping you could just share with me a brief like background about your life and how you got here today. All right. I started as a geek in a very early age. <laughs> Too much time in front of the computer, not enough time in the sun. Um, and um, started programming at an early age, joined the Israeli military as a software engineer. And from that, I moved to project management. And when I um, got released from the military, I got my first civilian job as a, initially as a project manager in a company that were building secure operating systems for um, chip cards and identity cards and electronic passports and credit cards 20 plus years ago. And things were working kind of in my way without me being intentional about it. And I got promoted to lead a team of engineers. And from that, I got the opportunity to get into the world of product management, which is defining what a product should look like um, based on different factors that you that you take in and process. And that really started my product management career in, in more or less an official way. The company exited, got acquired by Broadcom, um, spent two great years at Broadcom, and then I had to go back to the startup scene because I'm more of a startup guy than a corporate, and went to another startup that uh, deals with video caching and did my product product management job there for uh, three years. It was a different space. I used to work in cyber, um, embedded software, and a lot of cryptography, and then I moved to a company that was completely about networking, and then eight years ago, almost on the week, I got a call from uh, the HR at the time from Cato Networks saying that they're looking for someone that will come in as the head of product management that has experience in both cybersecurity and networking. And luckily for me, uh, life drove me in a career path that uh, made me fortunate to, to go through both domains. And here at Cato, I was able to, to combine both of them I was head of the product here for three years, um, taking the, the product from stealth to GA and then to maturity. And after three years, I moved to take over product marketing and um, a few other domains that I'm responsible for now that are less tied to engineering, but benefit a lot from my engineering background. And this is in a nutshell how I got here. I want to hear about acting school. You graduated acting school. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, I did graduate acting school. It's evening acting school. Um, but when I was in the military service, I was already coding like three years. And I felt that I, I need something refreshing. And I always thought it was, I always find it very curious how difficult it is to act. I, like, I see. I saw actors on, in theaters and on TV and in movies, and I was always wondering, is it difficult or hard? So I decided to go to acting school. Never thought about it as a career, 
still not thinking about it as a career, but it was a personal challenge. And it's not easy, but it's a craft that you can learn. And obviously talent helps a lot. I'm not sure how talented I am or not, um, but it was an, an amazing uh, self-exploration experience. Did you end up, uh, like for your graduating project, doing a play or something? No, I participated in a short, very short student movie that I hope no one would never see. <laughs> and some exercises in the school. But uh, yeah, luckily it's before the time that everybody had a smartphone and a camera. I love it. I do things all the time to push myself out of my comfort zone from learning how to do woodworking to writing comedy. Like I try different things because it's not my main thing, you know, and they give me different. It gives me that be the beginner's perspective in an area. I find it very useful. I, I, I totally agree. Everything that is extraterrestrial to my, my main doing is always an enrichment. You have three different uh, patents, is that correct? Tell me about those. Yes, I'm, I'm a co-author of three different patents. Uh, I can't claim the full uh, innovation to myself. Um, <laughs> they're in the domain of secure embedded software, which is, for example, if you look at your credit card today, it has that golden rectangle on the side of it that inside of it there is actually a small computer that is extremely secured by both hardware and software. And the, the patents that I was, um, that I contributed to writing is about how to manage and secure the software inside those chips that are in our credit cards and in our electronic passports and um, digital identification documents. That was awesome. Where did you do that work at? So this is when I worked at my, the first startup, which was called SE Square at the time and got acquired by Broadcom. And after the acquisition by Broadcom, they were encouraging us to uh, write patents on everything that we were building. So we were like documenting a lot of innovation that were done and submitting it uh, to the U.S. Patent Office. I feel like you're a person who has a, a good appetite for risk taking. How do you think about taking risk? You know, retrospectively, I think you can say that about me, but in real time, I'm more faith-driven than uh, risk-enthusiastic. I, I believe in people, and I, I tend to fall in love with people. Um, not romantically, but with, with their characters. And when I meet entrepreneurs or great engineers or people with great business experience, and they tell me about a vision that they have and the type of company that they want to build and the, the glass ceilings that they want to break, and if I connect with them, that would buy my heart and devotion sometimes before the technology does. So I'll follow those leaders usually in their vision. You know, if it fails, it was a risk. If it was a success, then it was a good choice. But um, I, I, I don't quantify it as, as a risk. O obviously, there is. You know, I have a family and I have I have to, to provide for my family alongside my wife. But... It's like, I'm confident enough to know that with my experience, I'll always land on my feet, but I'm excited to work with people that challenge me and that I can learn from and, and collaborate with. So you just, you go with your faith, you go, is that, that's how you make decisions? I go with people that I feel that these are the right yeah. people for me to, to go with because yeah. w working in startups, 
in Israel particularly, but also worldwide, but startup requires that you work sometimes two times harder than you would work at a corporate. So I'm usually averaging, and that's going to sound a bit extreme, but I'm averaging at around 11 to 12 working hours per day. Sometimes straight in the office, sometimes broken apart into segments throughout the day. And I'm now doing it for eight years here at Cato. That's a lot of effort and investment and a lot of sacrifice from my from my personal life. But that's what gets me. That's part of the things that get me excited. So um, I have to believe in the people that I work with before I can believe in the technology. How does your wife and family see this? If I'll see them, I'll ask them. Uh, <laughs> but oh, I no. can guess. <laughs> No, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's an acquired taste. This is what I'm passionate about. I don't have other hobbies. Um, my world focuses on my family and my my job and my work. So instead of you know working nine or ten hours and then having a hobby for two hours and then family, so I I split it differently. It's more challenging when I travel a lot, which happens often, and less when I'm when I'm at home. But yeah, it's it's a challenging ride. But I think it's it's going to be a great story to tell my kids. Being part of a company like Cato from the beginning, going through all the growing pains and all all the challenges that we're overcoming and eventually going public and becoming a great success. I'll be proud of it. My kids will be proud of me being part of that. My wife will be proud of it. So there's cons and pros to everything. Was that the type of culture you grew up in with your parents? Was your dad like that? Actually, no. That's a that's a great question. I should pay you for the therapy. <laughs> um, no, I, I can tell you that my dad was very inspiring to me because he was and still is a maker. He builds everything he needs um, from being a child to now um, nearing his years of retirement in in the future. In the future. He, he is a 100% maker. He 3D prints, he does all the electronics, he writes his software, he, he literally builds everything that can be built. Even if you can buy it, he'll, he'll build it because he can. So this is the kind of, of house I grew up in. It's like it's a house of an in, that is what's like dominated by an engineer spirit. And I think that contributed a lot to my understanding that there are almost no problems that can't be solved. It just takes time and, and consistency. My dad's a lot like that too. He's an inventor and uh, an engineer hardware and software. And that, that's why I learned a lot of my technology from as well and what got me interested in it. Now, you sound like you've got some structure in your life. Do you like structure specific family times so that they get like dedicated time with you? Well, I want to say yes, <laughs> but I won't be 100% <laughs> honest about it. That's okay. I, I, no, no, I, I, I really try very hard not to work during the weekends. Um, during yeah. the, the working week, my team is spread all the way from US to Singapore. So I have to almost always be available and checking my emails and Slack. But during the weekend, despite the fact that in Israel, a weekend is in offset, we rest Friday and Saturday, and we work right. Sunday to Thursday. I still try very hard not to work. I'll Look at my phone and my email and Slack and see if there's anything urgent. But if it's not urgent, I'll let it wait until I get back to work on Sunday. And I'll focus my weekend time on my family and on relaxing and recharging. 
Um, so I think this is like a, a very area that I'm, I'm strict about in terms of work-life balance. I call it work-life ratio because it changes. It's not all, that, it's not like this term. thing to keep in the center. It's a ratio that like, if I'm having a new child, I've got three kids. If I'm having a new child, those two months of that child and my ratio of work and family is going to be different than when I'm out here trying to hustle and, and feed them. You know, that's a, that's a different ratio. So it, it, it's constantly moving. My whole thing is not telling people what's right or to try to keep it balanced at 50%. My whole thing is just, awareness of what your current ratio is and is that where you want it to be for this season of your life I, first of all i love the definition of work-life ratio you know but balance is very subjective uh, i can tell you that what i try to do is not only to be right by myself but also by my employees and that's even more important mm. for me than than my own work-life ratio but that i don't create an atmosphere of a wrong ratio between work and life. So for example, I'm very mindful about not sending emails or Slack messages to my employees during their weekend. If I choose to work, that's my decision. But if I email someone from my team during the weekend, even if I don't mean to, it sets an expectation that they would do the same. So I would do my best not to do that. And at times that we are not extremely stressed before a product launch or a big event of the company, and I'll see them working on the weekend, and that's something my team members can, can testify on, I would actually tell them that they shouldn't. And when I need them to work on weekends, and that happens a few times a year, I let them know now is the time that we need the extra work and the extra effort. But in the, in the regular day-to-day -day routine, it's not needed. Don't do it. I need you to keep your strengths for the hard times and keep a good work-life ratio in the, in, the easy, in the more easygoing times. Yeah. An appropriate ratio for the current season of life, right? Right. Let's talk a little bit about a product. You guys have, like, what's the current product that you're excited about? The one that you can talk about, because there's always people yeah. excited about the next generation that they can't share publicly. So it is public. So what's the piece of technology? What are you really excited about right now at Cato Networks? So I'm, it's, it's going to sound a bit marketing-ish, but I'm, I'm being yeah. perfectly honest now. I'm excited about everything that this company is doing. And I'll tell you why, because we are breaking into new grounds in our domain of enterprise network and network security. And we've built something that no one has done before. And we've proven that there is a better way to solve problems than companies 100 times bigger than us. And we are now undermining them in the industry. And it's, it's a platform play. So there is one big platform that does that holds all the capabilities and we can turn existing and new capabilities on and off on the fly. It's a cloud service. So customers don't need to be involved in it at all. And it's exciting because it's, it's revolutionary to a degree that in the first years of the company, when we were pitching what we're doing to, to customers and to partners, first of all, there was an, a, a moment of a jaw drop well, they would see the solution on PowerPoint slides and they would like be blown away. Like, how did no one think, how didn't anyone think of it before? 
Then there was a phase of skepticism and telling us how ambition this, this mission is and this vision is. And then we would go to a live demo. And then there was like the real wow moment that we actually build it. And I've seen this happening and scaling up through my eight years here at the company. And it never ceases to amaze me. And so do you have a specific product that's launching right now? Or like, what's, what's your main offering that you have? I'm trying to figure out how to generate some business for you guys. <laughs> what, let, let's talk about like what business problems are people experiencing? And they're like, oh, I could go use Kato. So let me tell you what we do. I'll, I'll, I'll give an example maybe from the consumer world to explain the, the level of revolution. So Kato, we're in the business of network and network security for enterprises. Every enterprise, they have branches, they have a data center, they have headquarters, they have remote workers. They need to connect everything to every, everyone to everything. And they need to secure traffic inside the enterprise and traffic to and from the internet and the cloud. That's the mission. That's, that's a, a, a mission and responsibility for every IT team in the world today. Until now, this is being solved with point products to point problems. There is a problem with the network. We solve it with the network solution. There is a challenge in security. We buy a product to solve that specific challenge. Kato comes in and says, instead of buying those point products, subscribe to our cloud platform, which is a cloud service, and you'll get everything at once in one solution. So to put this in a consumer analogy, think about the smartphone when Apple presented it. Before that, we had a media player, we had a GPS, I had a set of a gig. I had a PDA, I had a media player, I had a camera, I had a Bluetooth earbuds, a digital camera. They were not one device. If I wanted to send a photo, a photo that I took on my digital camera, I needed to connect it to my computer, download it, send it. If I want to navigate, it would be a different device than my smartphone. Apple did everything in one device. It's called convergence. They, they literally become one thing. The second thing that we did is to take everything up to the cloud. Think about block, Blockbuster versus Netflix, right? Blockbuster, it was physical. You had to go rent it, send it or get it, put it back. In Netflix, you just connect and you stream, stream your content anywhere in the world from their cloud service. Kato is doing both those motions, the convergence and the cloudification in one solution. So not only that we take multiple products and instead of having to duct tape them together to make them work as one, we actually built it from the ground up to be one. We also took everything up to the cloud from being physical appliances in the enterprise data centers and servers rooms. And that's revolution. And this revolution is undermining everything that companies like Palo Alto and Cisco and Fortinet, which are all multi-billion companies, build their business on for the last 30 years. So do you find is, is uh, human behavior training and habits sound like it would be really important because you've already got an organization that's used to all these point tools. You, you got the team that knows how to use the GPS system. You got the team that knows how to use the media player and the person who knows and it's in their entire job is to download that picture and then send it to somebody else, you know? So if you go into these organizations and you, and you sell them this convergent tool, this, this thing, uh, there's, there's, like, I can't see how there wouldn't be an enormous amount of training and culture shift. How do you guys handle that? There's a lot of, of market education. When you build 
a company and a solution that is disrupt- disruptive the way that Cato is, you're going to get a lot of headwind at the beginning, at the, at the very few years. You need to educate the market. I speak about, I use the, the example of uh, Salesforce, which is the world's one of the world's largest software as a service company. They sell a, a CRM service. And before Salesforce, CRM was on-premise and it was like the Rolodex was the most precious asset of the enterprise. So I'm always thinking about the first salespeople from Salesforce back in circa 2000. They came into an enterprise and they said, guys, we have an amazing idea. You'll give us your customer details and we'll put it on our cloud for you. And obviously, the first reaction was to give them a glass of water and show them the door. So initially, it was the same for us. We come with and we're telling enterprise, we understand your problems, but you're solving it the wrong way. We have a better way to solve the problem and forget everything you thought about how to solve the problem. Here is the way to take the picture from the camera into the PDA and send it over email. And you know what? You don't need to spend your time in, you know, getting the memory card out, putting it in the reader, dragging the file, etc. We do everything for you. What we need you to do is tell us what you want. You want to send the file? That's all we need to know. Everything else is automated and enriched by AI and machine learning and it just happens like magic. So there is market education that there is this technology, that it's a feasible solution to the problem. And then there is a a period of time where we need to gain proof points. You need to sell it to the first few enterprises so they can say it actually works. I'm actually using it in production. I'm actually trusting the solution. And then you continue to climb up to bigger and bigger enterprises until we get to the point now um, that we're selling to some of the largest global enterprises in the world. But it took a lot of years to, you know, step by step, uh, piece by piece, get up um, and, and build this, this motion. In the process, there is, in, in many industries, there are um, industry analysts that analyze everything that is in the market and write reports and give advice to customers on what, what's right and what's wrong for them. And one of those, the biggest analyst firm is called Gartner. And four years into, after the establishment of Cato, um, the most important analysts in Gartner actually acknowledged our vision and gave it a name, which is now called SASE. It is spelled S-A-S-E. I'm not responsible for the acronym. <laughs> um, and with that recognition by the most important analyst in the most important analyst firm in our world, that this is a viable solution, not only that it helped educate the market in acknowledge that what we are doing is right and that our vision is where it should be, but it also dragged in all the competition because now they have to to join as well. Yeah, you're now showing our, our website. Um, yeah, I've got, they've got this great graphic. If you're listening to the podcast, subscribe on YouTube so you can see it. Or, um, But yeah, this, this graphic is beautifully done. It's a nice little animation just showing the flow of, of data. Of the data, right. This, these are all the use cases that we are doing, how to secure and connect the different edges of the enterprise network. And we're doing everything with literally with one software that is cloud native. It can grow elastically to meet the demand. And it's distributed in thousands of copies all over the world in a private cloud network that we've built. 
So it's it's the technology is mind blowing. I can talk about it. We'll have five episodes and I won't be done speaking <laughs> about the technology. It's where should I start? <laughs> yeah. So well, we're gonna put links so people can go check out that graphic and see what you do. How big are you guys as a company? How do you talk about it publicly? So we are now nearing 900 employees. When I joined, I was employee number 24. That was eight years ago. We'll cross the, the 1,000, obviously, in a, in a very in a quarter or two. Um, we're growing extremely fast all over the world. About 50 plus percent of the employees are based here in Israel, mostly engineering, operation, DevOps, and all the, the general administration and the executive suite. And then we have sales, pre-sales, and post-sales teams uh, distributed closer to our customers. So this is how big we are. We grew from the numbers that we can share because we're still private. For software as a service companies, one of the metrics that they're being measured by is ARR, annual recurring revenue. And we grew from 100 million ARR to one, sorry, 1 million to 100 million in five years, which is a world record for a company in our domain of network security. It's not the fastest that has been in the tech industry, but in our domain it is. And that's very encouraging. Um, it's an evidence of where we are going in the future. And we were fortunate to be heavily funded by great VCs, now going up to a total of $773 million in funding. So uh, very exciting. So that gains a lot of trust with the customer base. Does everybody yes. basically know who you are now in networking? Oh, I wish it was so. I, I think the brand is getting there. I think that everybody understands. I think we're associated with the term sassy by now. This is how we market ourselves, as we are sassy. And I think that everybody that speaks about sassy heard about us here or there. Uh, people who are more, you know, tech savvy in the in the day-to-day -day job in network and security probably heard more about us. But um, there's a lot of, of branding work to do to build the brand, especially when the competition is our giants with dramatically larger marketing budgets than we have. So we're operating more in the guerrilla mode, but um, it, it's part of the fun. One of the things that I saw Salesforce do <clears throat> and HubSpot, since we were talking about CRMs earlier, is they both did really good with their education and certifications that you could get. Do you guys have anything like that? We did that. We still are. So we've built um, SASE certification cracks. Uh, I think they're based on a platform called Credly, if I remember the name correctly. So if you complete the training, you actually get a badge that you can put in your CV on or your LinkedIn profile. Um, and yeah, so we did um, basic SASE certification. Just It's not about Cato. It's about what SASE means, how it is built, what is the architecture, what value it brings, how to evaluate SASE vendors. So it's completely disconnected from our solution. And occasionally we reference what we do as an example of a SASE implementation, but not necessarily the right one for every customer, hopefully for the majority of them. And then we did more advanced tracks around the, secu the as security aspect of SASE and the networking aspect of SASE and what it means for C-levels, for CIOs and CISOs to drive a SASE strategy for their enterprise. Um, and it's it's still free on our website. Um, eventually, we will have to start charging for it. But for now, um, everybody can register 
and go through those uh, certifications. Do you ever get to be a part of sales calls, like with potential clients, prospective clients? I do. Um, right now, we have a very large sales force, so I'm being pulled in, especially to the to the very strategic calls. But yes, I do, and I love it. Do you see any pushback? Like, do you, is there common pushback or objections that you have to talk talk to? Always. What are what's one of them? One of them. Usually it's all about trust. How, how can we get the, the customer to trust us that, first of all, we actually do what we say we do? Because there is everybody's already burned and scarred by vendors who make big promises and don't fulfill them. So everybody's coming in very skeptic, especially if you're showing them something they haven't seen before. That's one. Second thing is that what we are selling is going to be the critical infrastructure of the enterprise. This is going to be their security and this is going to be their network. So people in a way, when they choose us, they'll put their jobs on the line. And there is a great saying, you know, nobody got fired for buying IBM or Cisco or Palo Alto in our world. And people are rightfully um, risk averse and they want to make safe choices. And we need to have this conversation with them and present our view that the way that the technologies that they are using today, and if they choose to continue maintain using point products and duct taping them together, it's true that they won't get fired, but they will also not get promoted because they're maintaining a situation that inhibits the growth of the business. And we can explain in a very logical and simple way and then bring proofs and evidence and reference customers that would show why switching to a SaaS platform like ours, not only that would it would give the enterprise a better network and a better security, but it would also make the people who manage the platform, the, the, the IT teams and security and networking teams in the enterprise, champions in their organizations again. Because right now, in many cases, if you ask anyone in the enterprise, what they think about the security or networking people, those are the ones who always slow the projects down because they need to integrate, they need to buy, they need to test it. There's like so many things. I think those are usually the smartest people in the organization, but they are being limited with the technologies that they had at the time that they acquired it, and now there's a better solution. So instead of buying an old solution that doesn't meet meet the mo- the needs of a modern enterprise from network and security perspective, there is a new solution they can buy and it would make their life much easier and it would not risk their job. It would allow them to focus on more critical tasks, on more strategic tasks that until now they couldn't because they were busy keeping the lights on. So this is the conversation that we are having. Um, so I want to jump ending. in right there. Yeah. I want to jump in right there. Because that sounded like that last line or two sounded like how I would explain this to the board or how I would explain this to my team is that you could real you could bring this efficiency in and then reallocate resources is is that how you would explain it to a board or an executive team or no? Yes, a hundred percent. And and we can give real life examples. Um, I can give you two examples that I really like. One of our customer, we had an analyst firm interview him about the impact of choosing Cato on his organization. And he said something that we were not intentionally mindful about, but after he said that, we all said, oh, wow, of course. He said that we gave him his work. We spoke about work-life ratio earlier. He said that buying Cato, replacing his infrastructure to Cato, 
gave him his work-life balance, him and his team his work-life balance back. And the reason is that when they were using appliances, every weekend someone had to stay at the work and do all the updates and the patching to the appliances to keep them up to date, which cannot be done during working days or the working week. And with Cato, that work of keeping the lights on just disappears because we don't have appliances because it's all in our cloud and we take care of it. So now none of his team members or himself work weekends anymore. It makes perfect sense, but even myself in my marketing head, I would not think about marketing the solution as something that would give you your work-life balance back. So that, that's one great example. The other example is one of the things we need to do very often in order to convince customers to trust us is to do a proof of concept. We need to give them the ability to try the solution hands-on. They build a lab, they connect it to our service, they try, they run scripts, they try to attack the system or to penetrate the network. They put it into real test. The, the level of simplification that we put in the product, and I can speak later if you want about how we engineer that because it's something that I find amazing, but the level of simplicity that we introduce to the product can take work of days into minutes in our solution. And we had a very big project that we eventually won in Europe, organization with over 500 sites all across Europe. They scheduled the POC. We created the account for them. Our sales engineer scheduled the time with them and they agreed on the script of the POC. By the time we got to the meeting, they were already 80% done by themselves without training, without onboarding. They just logged in and did it because it's that simple. The second best competitor needed two days and two engineers just to set up the POC environment. This is the level of difference. When a customer sees this at the POC stage, they understand what are the offerings that are on the table and what would serve them better in, in the, what we call the day two, the day after they buy. And you're making it easy to get into the product. The, the product sells itself. Once they yeah. see it, it's like, it, it's so amazing to, to see... We get compliments that I would never think I would get in an IT and security world. So we got the, the CTO of Carlsberg, the, the brewery. Um, they're a public customer of ours. And to explain to his board of directors what is Cato, he said they are the apple of networking. Now, for a company like us to be compared to the number one consumer brand in the world, you can't ask for a better compliment. But it says a lot about the, the emotion that the product triggers, that he made, it, made him think that we are the apple of networking because he got an experience that is so elegant and polished and it just works just like an iPhone or a smart or an iWatch. Well, it sounds like you have a good hook with no, no more weekends keeping the lights on. Uh, sounds like it'd be very attractive for people to at least explore and do a proof of concept. For sure. Well, we did it. We made a podcast. How do you feel? I'm excited. Awesome. I'm excited and I'm happy to be here. Really, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.